Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. So Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for November 1st, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Network podcast feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You could follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take us to our Red Circle landing site. You click the red boxes to sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time a reoccurring donation no obligation whatsoever but we would like thank all of our previous donors i'm one of your hosts it's your old pal mike spears i'm anxious right now but i'm being joined as always by our co-host case low in case you know why i'm anxious right now uh, well you got a lot on the line tonight mike I, I i think we'll be done recording by the time you'll know one way or another but a, a possibly monumental night in your life yeah so uh quick oh we'll do this very quickly and alienate our european listeners once and and i'll do my best throughout the show to behave myself uh for me as a kid and growing up in dallas fort worth yeah i was alive when the cowboys won the super bowl didn't mean much to me i was not in town when the stars won the stanley cup i was in miami in a bar near uh one billy Corg corbin who called me a I, I believe the words were deviant for having money on the Mavericks beating the Miami Heat in 2011. And now, as we sit down and record, it's the top of the uh, first. Rangers are up 3-1. to one. The way I look at this case is Nathan Avaldi is out tonight, best pitcher left in the World Series, and the Rangers have three chances to win one game. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I feel like I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good, especially after last night. I really wanted you guys to win before the series started. Now that you're up 3-1, I am desperate for you guys to win because I, you know, I worry about you, Mike. You're, you know, you've done quite well for yourself. You're grown up. You're doing good things. But also, it's really tough losing 3-1. to one. Yeah, and also, I was talking with someone in the former EE uh, Discord this morning, and I brought the point that I don't know if there is a way to have to lose a championship in as cruel of a way as the Rangers did in 2011. So, like, I, I, I'm kind of waiting to see what kind of cruel emotional scar this team is about to leave. Man, look, 
this feels, I mean, you tell me, you were there in 2010 and 2011. It never felt, well, I you guys were really close against the Cardinals. I don't know. It never felt this attainable. Well, I feel like the big difference between 2011 and 2023, 2011 was a team of characters, really. Mm. Like, you had Elvis Andrews, you had Adrian Beltre, you had Mike Napoli, CJ Wilson, you know, a bunch of guys that go out there and just say a whole bunch of things and just were like, oh, look at these zany Rangers. You have Nelson Cruz. You have, like, all these people that was kind of like a hodgepodge kind of mess. That kind they of they had the antlers. It. They were doing the big antler taunt. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a team that is only concerned about winning games and eating hot dogs in the visitors clubhouse. Like that was the big thing on the radio today about game five was the Rangers are at one, well, maybe one of the re- re- reasons the Rangers are 10 and zero on the road in the major league baseball playoffs is the fact that they don't get hot dogs at globe life field in their clubhouse. They get like the deli spread. They get like the resort style thing. They get real excited to go eat a whole bunch of hot dogs and play baseball. I, I, I would too. That's a good life. Yeah, so especially after like the the way that like especially you look at like Corey Seager and I feel like that that's he's very emblematic of the team even though Adolis Garcia very clearly is the heartbeat of this team. Uh do you know who is actually the longest tenured ranger on this team? Oh god, I have no idea. Jose Leclerc. Okay. Who looks like he is 22 years old. <laughs> like, a- a- out of everyone, he looks like an absolute baby. He was uh, he-, he was a January 2 signing. And uh, actually, he was not signed on July 2nd, but he was a international signing in 2010. So, and he's been on the, uh, the major league team, at least consistently, since 2022. He was on the team in 2016, though. So that gives you a sense of, like, how different this team was than 2011. 2011 was built off of the Mark Teixeira trade. This yes. team is a lot differently constructed. I Look, I was texting somebody last night. I am sure the MVP trophy already has Corey Seager's name carved into it. Again, I'm very happy for you. I'm very happy for this team. I told you, because we talked about this off the air a month ago. When the story broke that they were listening to Creed, you were like, ah, oh, this feels ominous. This isn't good. And I told you, I said, you're wrong. This gives the team an identity. This gives people something to latch on to. And sure enough, that's exactly what's happened. And it's something that, like, there's weird aspects of this team about the Creed thing. The hot dog thing, which I'm surprised hasn't taken off. And the fact that you have someone who looks like he is a complete insane person and Matt Scher- and Max Scherzer on the bench every game, even though he's on the DL now. Like yeah, when you Matt, have Matt back, Scherzer is a crazy person. Have you you seen him ever celebrate a postseason win, like a series celebration? Have you ever seen him do that? I uh, I'm sure I have, but nothing odd is ringing a bell. What does he do? Oh, he just looks like he's insane. He okay. looks like he's touched by the devil. Part of that is for those who don't know, Max Scherzer is heterochromatic, so he has one pupil or one eye that's brown, one eye that's blue. When you have like people partying and shouting, it makes someone look even more kind of crazy when they have two different colored eyes. It's it's not a good look. Uh, or it's a great look. You know, it goes either way. No, for him, it's not a good look. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but the, the we are going to put that aside now, Case, because this week on the program, it's about one thing. It's about the Culture Day Spectacular coming up in Dragon Gate on Sunday and Edeon Arena Osaka. It's finally here. It's Gate of Destiny. And just before we get into the overall preview and breakdown, uh, just we'll, let's do a little bit of a heat check going into the show. How are you feeling about the promotion, I guess, uh, momentum-wise, just how the 
how the, the, the course is charted, but well, what's your vibe going into this weekend show? I am into this show. You know, we talked a lot in September about how boring, for lack of a better term, the promotion was. It wasn't bad. It was just very boring. And then October, they slowly started to ramp things up. I think this is a, a time on the roster where there's a lot of exciting guys. The promotion might not be the most exciting top to bottom, but there's guys that I'm really into. There's units that I really like. There's matches I'm excited for. I, I would I would put my excitement level somewhere between a 7.5 and an 8 out of 10 on this show. It's an odd card. It's not super deep. I. You know, I, I think there's, you know, there's one match that we'll spend an extensive amount of time previewing and then a lot of stuff that's like, all right, it looks cool. You know, it could go either way. Uh, it's not deep like the Kobe card was, like the Dead or Alive card was. Even, you know, Dangerous Gate had some real, like, you know, chin scratchers of, oh, what's the result of this going to be? This could really matter. I don't think this show is that, but I also think this show does look really good. I kind of feel like that Dangerous Gate was not complete and, and also Kobe world in that way was not a purely like dragon gate card in a way that like having the, the outsiders, the way that they were in comparison, to how the bodyguards just is the third in a triangle gate match. This one feels more like a traditional dragon gate, big show. Whereas in the past, like you would have Shingo Takagi, even though he's dragon system, but more Hiromu show up at Kobe world, which that made that kind of special. You had uh Fujita Jr. Hayato go against Yamato at Dangerous Gate. That made it feel a little special. But it it kind of, in a way, with how these two preceding big shows went, it, it, it had focus away from the Dream Gate. Especially Kobe World, the Dream Gate didn't even main event. And you had the bizarre kind of feeling, D-Courage versus D-Courage match. And then even at Dangerous Gate, yeah, Minora versus Kakuda was the main event there but it did not feel like a main event kind of match walking out of the building but i look at this as a show that even though it's seven matches and you do have an outsider and a title match if you only have just that opener as kind of the chaff a little bit of a get everyone on the show kind of match i feel like that that shows you at least in the past like pre-covid that would have been a good indication of a strong feeling big five show and Hey, I will. I I have a lot that I'm into on this show, so I I think I'm. If you were at a seven point seven five on this, I feel like I'm probably at an eight and a quarter. Yeah, this is a show. There's a few matches on this show. It, you know, we we this is kind of the era we're in and dragging it on these big shows. There's a few matches that if they really deliver, we're talking about a show of the year contender. Drangate, for whatever reason, I, I would say the past two, two and a half years, not always the best luck on these big shows. And sometimes stuff that we think is going to be great ends up being maybe very good, sometimes good, sometimes just okay. And this is another one of those shows where, like, look, that 10 man tag in the middle of the show, it, it could either be an Ultimo style 10 man tag where everybody takes it easy, or it could be a Monte and Doi versus Natural Vibe style of match where everybody goes really hard and Ultimo just comes in and does one or two spots. I'm hoping that's the case because that's one of those matches that will completely set the tone for the back half of the show. Absolutely. And as we talk about the back half of the show, we really need to talk about the match six months in the making. The main event of Gate of Destiny is for the Open the Dream Gate Championship. Madoka Kakuda finally defends against Big Boss Shimizu. I'm working on a column kind of thing for VoicesOfWrestling.com coming out 
later this week. But it is something that I feel like this is the first real story of the Rewa New Generation leaders happening and playing out. And we'll get some sort of a conclusion to it with this main event with either Kakuda putting down the guy trying to challenge the Rewa Big Six or Big Boss Shimizu finally kind of taking the mantle that people have been waiting for for almost a decade. So I've talked to you, you know, the last few weeks about uh, where where we're at. You know, are we 40-60 Shimizu winning? Are we 50-50? Is Shimizu the favorite? I ask you one more time, heading into this match, Mike Spears, let's let's talk about uh, winners. You know, is it 50-50? Is Shimizu 60-40? Is he 40-60? Do you have different odds here? A few days away from this title match, you've seen all the house shows, you've seen the televised shows. Where are you at with the Dreamgate belt? More and more, I think it's going to have to be Shimizu coming out of it. I know I've been more kind of strongly for Shimizu, but I think with the way that this kind of story is told, like we're at a point where Kakuda can lose the belt and it's not going to be a failure of a Dreamgate run. It's He had a pretty successful Kobe World show that he will be the Dreamgate walking in and walking out of. Dangerous Gate, yeah, that was a weird show of a bad house. And I think that if he drops it here to Shimizu, it's not a slight. It's just the end of this chapter in his story. And I think that probably puts me at uh, 70. I'm back to 70, 30 uh, Shimizu over Kakuda. Where are you at? I have gone in the opposite direction. And I want to make it clear. I agree with everything you just said. I think you're right. I think you're, you're making great points. And I will expound on those points even though they go against my prediction, I am at 70-30, Kakuta retains. I think they are writing this story a little bit longer. I think they are writing him as champion a little bit longer. But I am very much in a position where I think Madoka Kakuta will win, but I think Big Boss Shimizu should win. And I guess like now that you are kind of at this point of divergence here, uh, where uh, Kakuta in your mind is winning this match here where do you go to for the with him after this are you going into him and Luis Monte closing out the year or are you trying to find some way to kind of position it around that you kind of have to see where the shakeups start to happen going into the winter I think you got Monte I think you got Ben and I think you've got a Shun rematch always looming. There's also the idea of Strong Machine J being thrown out there. He's obviously got the New Japan show on the 4th. The show is on the 5th. I can't ignore that, that maybe, you know, he has a strong outing on New Japan and they parlay that into a Final Gate main event. I think there are so many stronger options with Shimizu. I think it's a more interesting option, but I don't think Dragon Gate wants to eject on this. You know, I, I think Shimizu beat him once and they are just not going to have him beat Kakuta again. I can't shake that. Even though Kakuta's had wins in the lead up to this match, I feel like they've been very even. They've both gotten a chance to shine. I can't ignore the fact that Shimizu pinned him in August and I just don't see him pinning him in November, even though, and you got to remember, this is something you and I have hammered home. We're talking about a six-month story, a seven-month story. This has been going on since May of this year. Maybe my math doesn't add up. I think it is six months. May of this year, Kakuta wins the belt. He declares the Rewa 6, the generation of Drangit, the generation of now, 
Shimizu, of course, a few years older than him, comes out on that May 11th Corkin show and says, what about me? And we get this slow build. I mean, this has been one of the slower, more long-term Dreamgate builds that we've seen in this era of Dragon Gate. I think they've done a remarkable job of getting here. I just think for all of this time and effort that has been put into this match, and again, I'm not saying that this is what they should do, I don't think they're doing six months of build for the sake of Big Boss Shimizu's career. I don't think they're doing this much pop and circumstance so that they can crown Shimizu as what we would all assume, even if he was to win, would be a transitional Dreamgate champion. They are doing all of this to have another notch in the belt of Madoka Kakuta. And I think if that is the plan, that you've basically done a six-month story to further solidify your champion, I think that that does make us think more fondly, I guess, of the six months we've had with Kakuda as champion. Because at the at the very least, like when you've been like looking at the uh, the overarching plot, uh, for lack of better words, I hate always bringing in like literary or film criticism terms into wrestling, but if you're looking at the plot of it, uh, of his storyline uh, as champion, it's been much more so kind of defending the idea of the Reiwa Six than it is really about how he's like going not or going decourage versus zebrats. That's not what things are going with that. And I think that with the way you've laid it down there, I think that's a pretty compelling reason why to do this because if Kakuda goes and loses it with this being the storyline, it kind of does make him feel a little bit weaker if you read it that way. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I, I also, I can't ignore the fact that Kakuta all time, he is 0-1-1 against Shimizu in singles matches. Do you remember they did a 20-minute time limit draw between these two last year in Fukuoka? Yeah, it wasn't a very good match, if I'm I, right. I, I look back at my notes for it. It's a 20-minute match, and I said, and this is a quote, this was super boring for the first 10 minutes and really entertaining for the last five, three and a quarter stars. Yeah, I, yeah. Th th that sounds like a frustrating three and a quarter. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely it was. But uh, he's 0-1-1 all-time against Shimizu. Uh, and this is, you know, it's just it, it's a real fork in the road moment because they can they can ride with Kakuta and see if they can turn this title defense around. One thing that I was thinking about in the build to this match, because I would even say on this card, and granted some of this is just personal taste, I'm not even sure this is the match that I'm most looking forward to. I think there are two things on this card. Granted, they're in far lesser positions, but there's two things on this card that excite me more than this match does. And I'm into this match. Don't get me wrong. I'm into this match. I'm into the build. I'm into the finish, no matter what it's going to be. But there are two things I like more on this show, and it got me thinking about how, again, last August, Kakuta joins D-Courage first as an assistant, then as an actual member of the unit, and then he wins the Dreamgate belt in May. And you and I, I think, are on the same page that from August of 22 through May of 23, Kakuta was the most interesting guy in this promotion. He was routinely the one that whether it was a, a Kobe show or Osaka or Fukuoka or a big pay-per-view show, more often than not, you and I left talking about the performance of Madoka Kakuta. And for whatever reason, when he won the Dreamgate belt, we obviously haven't gotten the great Dreamgate title defenses, we don't even have a lot of those smaller show great Madoka Kakuta matches anymore. And so I ask you the question, from May of this year when Kakuta won the belt through now, do you think Kakuta has been the most interesting guy in Dragon Gate? And if not, who do you think takes that mantle? 
So I don't think so. I think it's Luis Monte. Okay. I, I Which feel is crazy because he was gone for so much of that time, but I, I don't think you're wrong. Go ahead. Because basically for the first two months of his title run, a, the – the the story of the promotion was not about Madoka Kakuda as Dreamgate champion. The story was the lead up to the uh, Mascara contra Mascara Apuesta six way steel cage. Uh, I I forget the the whole phrase that they call it. The the, the mask match. It was, at, it was a five way cage match. Six way uh, gimmick. Was it five or six? It was six because remember Ultimo got thrown in there in Dragon Kid. Ultimo Dragon Kid Strong Machine J Shun Skywalker Luis Monte. I think it was five. I thought there was one more. I don't think so. It doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't matter, but basically, though the the point remains, it, it the the focus was completely pulled by this mask feud that was featuring Luis Monte in the main event of Kobe World, having his long anticipated and uh, really well executed face turn there, and then you went into uh then you went into King of Gate, which was about Shimizu, and then yeah, you had the kind of quick build around. Uh, going towards uh, Kakuda and Minora at Dangerous Gate, but then it was back to Shimizu. Like, it, it, it's not that he has had a bad run. It's just that he's never really been the focus of the last six months. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a strange proposition that that they've put themselves in because, you know, you mentioned Luis Monte, and I don't think you're wrong there. I also think, and again, part of this is personal taste, but part of this is also the way he's been booked. I think you'd have to look at somebody like Mochizuki Jr., and go for the last six months, Junior has consistently been pushed. He's been involved in angles. He's been involved in storylines. And he's been really goddamn interesting. And on top of that, he's been better in the ring than Kakuta has to some degree. So we're in a spot where, you know, whether it's Luis Bonta, who is, you know, essentially a part-time wrestler, or Mochizuki Jr., who is, for all intents and purposes, a rookie, or even, you know, you think about what Susumu and Kanda have done, or what Yamato's done as an unaffiliated wrestler. There are all these guys that, They've just they've just passed Madoka Kakuta, and it's my concern is that they're going to double down on this reign and go, well, we can't have him lose the title with his stock being the lowest it's been in 18 months. We have to have him beat Shimizu, and we have to push, you know, uh, keep our heads down and push through this. I think there's a real possibility that happens, even though I think it's a mistake. Yeah, and then you, you have to then wonder what was the 12 months building up Kakuto for you know what was like the really big care that you put into him last fall positioning him across Shingo Takagi Shingo Takagi's return match to a Dragon Gate ring for the first time in six years or five years and it, you kind of wonder like is that worth it like did you just waste time and equity in a way yeah yeah absolutely and this is I, I, I can use that as sort of a launching off point for this big picture Kakuta take that I was thinking of today because you know, he just turned 24 years old. He turned 24 at the end of September, which is, I don't know, I, I how would you describe that? I would use it in one word, gross, because he's so Sickening. talented. Yeah, it's just absolutely Sickening. disgusting. Vile, vile, if you will. Um, I started thinking about uh, the, the pattern that we sometimes lock ourselves into, specifically with these young Japanese wrestlers, and we can go all the way back to, you know, looking at it with Okada uh, for, you know, the biggest example of them all is I think sometimes with guys under 25, under 30, we are so ready to anoint them as being, well, this is 1A, this is the ace, this is the guy. You know, he's going to be the guy. We, we even got into this with Ben K a little bit. Uh, 
even though you know I, I think our analysis of, of the lead up to that title was was correct uh, and really thinking he could take the ball and run with it he just never learned how to cut a promo until last year uh Kikucha's 24 years old and this is going to go into your point of why he should lose the title I think I'm going to make this argument for you if he beats Shimizu now we're back at a point where we either have to transition into more non-Reiwa six guys you know Mochizuki Yamato, Susumu, Dragon Kid, whoever it may be, as your possible title challengers, or we're ripping off more Band-Aids. You know, we've seen him versus Shun. We've seen him versus Yoshioka. We've seen him versus Minora. Doesn't it make sense for a 24-year-old to not conquer all comers at this point in his career? Let this Shimizu feud marinate. Get the belt off of him so he can get it back so that he can wrestle Strong Machine J, so that he can wrestle Shoot again, so that he can wrestle Yoshioka or Dragon Daya or whoever it may be. Because, Mike, do you have any doubt in your mind that Kakuta is not just a one-time Dreamgate champion, that he'll hold this belt yet again? No, no, he absolutely will. And let me provide a couple more instances of the short reign to, to, filler, to full, further illustrate your point here. Shingo Takagi's first title run in 2008 was not a barn burner, was not a solidifying run. Some might actually call it a failure and it's something that made him step backwards for a couple of years. But he came out five, five years later, basically, and then was the one who cut the head off of Shima. And then he later had the full solidifying run. That happens in this promotion. And you wouldn't want to do the conquering all ghosts thing because you did that last year with Yoshioka. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, you know, that's a great point. That's something I hadn't really thought about is, is compare him to the uh, prior, let's say, legendary Dreamgate champions of the past in their first reign. You know, compare Kakucha's first reign to what Doi did. Do you think Kakucha's had a more or less successful reign than Doi's first run with the title? I think that it's more successful just because Doi had a higher degree of difficulty and wasn't able to do it. I mean, what are you supposed to do in title matches against Aki Bono in 2009? Oh, that's uh, loaded. You know, Mike, if I had the answer, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> you know, if you had this answer, then we probably would be talking about our bizarre uh, hustle reboot that we would be doing. I, I am simply not doing that. If I, I, I will promise you this. If I come into a large sum of money, the hustle reboot is not what I'm spending those checks on. I, I mean, the thing is, it, for me, it would be it would have to be at a certain kind of uh, just insane amount of money that I can just go do this and it would not hurt me whatsoever. You know, like it has to be something that would be a lark and that that's not happening until Powerball reaches a billion again in my mind. No, Dragon Gate USA reboot. Absolutely. Evolve Wrestling reboot, I could be talked into it. I would buy, if I could, the rights to Hamada's Universal, that ring canvas, especially that beautiful, beautiful ring canvas, and I would start running Hamada Universal shows in Japan again if I had that sort of money. I would maybe buy the old All Japan tape library, the old Noah tape library. I would not be rebooting Hustle with my time, energy, and money. But it would be funny, though. <laughs> oh yeah i love a good bit what can i say i i kiji mudo is willing to take a paycheck here and bring back the great muda and we're gonna do some weird stuff that's all i'm proposing i'm i'm so convinced that he's wrestling again oh i i think it's something that like he's going to chase the paycheck like he's done his entire career and anyone who's 
who thinks this is a Bima spokesman gig is the end of it. That's I, I there's gonna be some sucker that's gonna want Muto to run a promotion again soon. I mean, Noah, no one needs to draw again. I did you know? It's sorry, Noah spoiler for anybody that's not up to date that they there was a GHC title change, I think, this past weekend. Yeah, it was on a Nakajima's last show. Which I wasn't even sure if that was his. I feel like they did the Mudo thing with Nakajima, where it was like, this is his last show, dot, 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 in Cork and Hall. And this is his last show, dot, 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 in Nago. It was just like, wait, when is he actually done? Because you got your touting a lot of last Nakajima matches. but While he's already doing stuff in, in his next promotion. At which I, you know, look. Thank I, God, by the way. Thank but, God. My, my thing on All Japan has always been, I like it less than everybody else, but it's still a very good promotion. And I got to say, I am I am catching up on All Japan right now, and I am very into it. That is a promotion that, uh, good for them. I, I like what they're doing. No, this needed to happen. Just for, it, it never made sense for him going to New Japan unless he was picking up a paycheck. Anyone who thought that WWE J Japan was going to happen needs to stop following Zach Arnold on Twitter. And <laughs> it, the, the best thing for the wrestling industry in Japan was Kazuhiko Nakajima going to all Japan. And that's what happened. And it's a lot more interesting. Like, like it's the best, it's the best of all worlds in my mind. Yeah. So when, when was that title change? I don't even see it on the on 28th, I believe. Oh yeah. Dubs. Okay. Yeah. I, that got no buzz, right? No, 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 not whatsoever. Like, like their culture day show. I tried to go through it today on uh, the Spears of Asian stream, and like, of course, like New Japan and Dragon Gate always kind of have this double he- double header in Osaka, but like they're in Niigata, and it like the main event is uh like a like a junior tag match, like like that's what they're doing over this national holiday. Did you see the results of this Noah show? Can we go through this for just a second? Oh yeah, let's do it because it, it's wild. Okay, match number two. In a different world, this match is awesome if it's just not a Noah Jr.'s match. 10-man tag, Alejandro, Ninja Mac, Seki Yoshioka, Shuji Kondo, and Terry Yaki versus Asushi Toge, Extreme Tiger, Hajime Ohara, High 69, and Juta Miyawaki. That match, there's a version of that match that's awesome. It's just not on this show. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's a part of me... That is intrigued by Eita and and Hayata versus Daga and Yoshinari Ogawa. But as soon as I see it's a double pinfall in 13 minutes, I'm just closing the file. So that's that's what I was going to ask you next, was if you knew the the results of that match. A 13-minute a double pinfall match with Eita and Ogawa again. I just don't... <laughs> I don't get it. I, I just... I want to talk to Eita so bad. And just... You know, good, good. More power to him. He can work in two promotions and take zero bumps... And it's whatever. I just can't imagine this is fulfilling. I mean, like, I, it, 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 there's a lot of questions I would ask him, and I think a lot of them would be answered by the size of the paycheck. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's never. If he was working Noah and it was like cool stuff, I would get it. I'd be, I'd watch it. I'd be fully supportive of it. But in the years now, plural that he's worked Noah. There's like a handful of matches that have ever been like, oh, you got to check out Aita Noah. This is rad. And I don't want to do the same Aita thing again, but I just, I don't get him. Yeah, and it's one of those things that like I have learned at least from my own personal well-being that I just have to like, just go like, oh, he's doing that and just walk away. I wish they'd, I wish they'd make him a heavyweight. And I know he's so small. I mean, he's, you know, 
He's not even a big guy in Dragon Gate, so I get it. There's an uphill battle there. But if Kano's your champion, I just feel like Ata would be so much better off doing that, like wrestling Kano or wrestling El Hio Dr. Uh, uh, Wagner Jr. I think that's what, like, those are two matches I'd like to see, but they're just never, it's always Ogawa. It's always Daga. I just don't get it. And is Kano really that much bigger than uh, Ata? He's not. No, no, but he, he you know, I mean, he He's presents sick. himself like Loki, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe that he could kick anybody's ass, and Ata certainly doesn't present himself that way. Nah, that, that, that's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, so you're thinking Kakuda. I'm thinking Shimizu. Uh, any other big thoughts you have about the main event? I don't I don't think so. Again, I I really think Shimizu should win this match. I just think they don't want to give up on this Kakuta thing yet. And I think you have the out of Ben or Strong Machine J at final gate. And, you know, with strong support underneath, especially for Strong Machine J, you can get away with it and you can, you know, have a respectable crowd in that building. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. uh I don't feel great about the result of this. And it's also another one situation. Here's here's what I'll here's what I'll say before we move on is, you know, we've kind of found ourselves in the same position as the last two Kakuta matches. I don't know who's the face and who's the heel in this match because Shimizu is going to be the hometown guy. And I would assume that he's going to get cheered, but I don't think they want Kakuta going heel. And that to me, more so than anything else, has been the biggest problem with his reign as they set him up for failure with Yoshioka, they didn't commit one way or another with Minora, and now they're about to do the same thing with Shimizu. And I just, I, I think Kakuta, who was a white meat purebred babyface for ten months, you know, August through May, everybody understood who this guy was and what he was about and why he was fighting. They have completely abandoned that ever since he won the title, and I think it has been a grave error on Dragon Gate's behalf. The semi-main event of Gate of Destiny is the open the Twin Gate championship match where the presumptive tag team of the year susumu mochizuki and azushi kanda defend the open the twin gate against the original incarnation of decourage former open the twin gate champions yuki Yoshioka and dragon daya and what could be a real i i guess resume defining match for mochizuki and kanda yeah look you know we had this conversation at dangerous gate and i thought they had a good match but not a great match if susumu and kanda deliver here all right, now we're talking about a genuine tag team of the year contender. Yeah, and it's something where I like what they're doing with the lead up to this. The one thing that I'm kind of halfway interested in the uh, Dead Fish uh, Kobe Sambo Hall show on the fourth is the uh, singles matches between D Courage and Mochizuki and Kanda. It's it, it's something where I feel like that we've already seen like an excellent match with three fourths of this mat uh, of this pairing that like I do have feel like my expectations on this one. Whereas with Kakuta title matches, I have now been beaten into just being like, Hey, maybe it'll be great. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Whereas with the twin gate match, I do have an expectation of greatness. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I am very much like, this is not a match to me that, you know, I, I can say, Oh, you know, could go one way or another. I am hell-bent on the idea of M3K winning this match. I think this needs to be a Susumu and Kanda defense before I continue on with that. Where are you at? Do you think the result matters at all in the grand scheme of things? Do you want it to go a certain way? What what, what are you looking for here? I think if you want to put the belts on D-Courage, you're doing that because you believe that you need to have some stability around Yoshioka. 
after dropping the belt in the beginning of this year, he's been kind of not like a wilderness wandering person. He did win Brede Parejas with uh, Madoka Kakuda early on, but he has not been necessarily the most present person on Dragon Gate shows. And maybe it is something that, yes, after a run like that, you aren't going to be front and center. You are going to kind of, it's good for you to recede into the shadows for a little bit. But I think the argument for Decourage winning is, all right, it's time to kind of bring back Yoshioka from the cold. I just feel like if you're doing this and giving Decourage the belts, you you get nothing out of it. It's all short-term investment here, you know, a short-term payoff. I, I don't see anything to gain from Dai and Yoshioka having this belt. And I want to talk about their first reign in just a second. But the reason M3K needs to retain is... You've still got so much more mileage here. You've got a possible Mochizuki Mochizuki match, uh, Susumu and Kanda versus the the father and son duo. And I also think now we can't ignore the idea of Susumu and Kanda versus Mochizuki Jr. and Yoshiki Kato. And I could see that being a final gate defense. And then if you remember um, when Shima and Dragon Kid were champions, they had KZ uh, do this angle where it was KZ and Maria for the twin gate belts and they lost. And then it was Casey and Hulk for the twin gate belts. And it feels like there's a real chance they could do junior and Kato. They lose. And then they do the Mochizukis and perhaps they win and finally win the twin gate belts. I just, I, I am so hell bent on the fact that M3K has so much more to do. And I think D courage. It's like, well, you know what, what you get, you know, what, a Kai and Hio defense at final gate. Who, who cares? You know, that's not something that I'm into. Whereas I think M3K is still a vibrant tag team with a lot of different directions to go. Yeah, and it it does feel like that for a while with the... Uh, when you look at the Twin Gates, it does kind of feel like, in a way, that it's kind of hard to remember the big-time run being that dominant. That this one, maybe it is that there were so many matches before they won the titles that we do kind of think of this Asumu Kanda team as having a longer run than it did. But it does feel like that, especially with someone like Kondo, who this will likely be his only Twin Gate title run, that they will might really try to roll with it. Uh, I'm looking to see how many more defenses. it They aren't coming close at this juncture, even to sniff the top defense records. They are doing pretty okay in reigns right now. They are right now the uh, seventh biggest, uh, let me count that right, seventh longest run so far but it does kind of feel like that there is a lot more left in the susumu and kanda pairing i I, i'm with you you know i I think in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking maybe i can pull a ken griffey jr rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club Com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards 
it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display again of all available cards hit rates grading so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack you are going to get something valuable you are getting something good and arena club in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about is also a marketplace for card collecting buying trading selling displaying all that sort of stuff but those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, you know, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voice of wrestling podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three in one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second, fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors 
without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the UV video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. I think this M3K unit has been such a wild success, and no disrespect to D-Courage. I think we both think very highly of them. I think the Dai and Yoshioka tag team, I think it would be interesting if they had another reign, because if you look at their first run with the Twin Gate titles, here are the matches they had. They won the belts against Kento and Hyo, and then they wrestled Kento and Hyo and Eita and Maria in that Twin Gate match that I absolutely adored. And then they wrestled Hyo and Kento again, and then they lost the belts to Shun and Diamante. That, that feels, that was a year and a half ago. That feels like it was 10 years ago. You know, I'm okay with them having another run, just not at the expense of M3K. It, and it's something that I feel like Yoshioka's Dreamgate run and the King of Gate kind of washes away the initial, like, decourage kind of run in a way, too. Yeah, I can see that. He's a different He's a different guy than he was. You know, that that Twingate run, this this stood out to me as being odd just because I, I wouldn't have thought this, but you know, that, that twin gate run was his first title run as Yuki Yoshioka in dragon gate. And then he had the dream gate run and he hasn't had a belt since, but you know, yeah, you're exactly right. You're talking about a guy who this was Ju- uh, January through may of 2022. So he was, you know, fresh off the boat from Mexico and unmasked and really unproven this is all before he beats Ata and he beats Yamato and he beats Mochizuki. Now him holding the Twin Gate belts, even with that same partner, it means something entirely different. I just don't think this is the time to do that. I, I, I'm not sure what they're gaining out of this. Yeah, I, I think we're both kind of coming have come to a same conclusion here about this semifinal. I guess the one thing I would leave this to you, uh, over, under, four and a quarter stars. I, I, I feel comfortable going under. I think this will be four on the dot. I'm hoping four higher, but I think four on the dot is kind of fair for that. And I think with that, we can kind of get into like the weakness of this card a little bit there when you're open the Triangle Gate Championship. Well, can, is, I, can, I, can I ask you one question real quick? Oh, absolutely. Please do. Okay, so let's say this is four and a half. Then you're talking about Susumu and Kanda versus Kikuta and Yoshioka. Uh, from Ray De Parejas as one of the best matches of this year. You're talking about the Kondo and Kano match, which I enjoyed even more than that. You're talking about the uh, defense on the Buyaden show with Sugawara and Masato Tanaka that I thought was was very, very good. Who would you lump into that group as possible tag team of the year contenders? Because this is the first time in a decade that I'm not Considering the Young Bucks at all, I don't think they've had a very good year. I think the AEW tag division, at one point, their their calling card really 
just completely non-existent in terms of great matches now, I don't I don't know who I'm voting for. You know, Aussie Open had a great start to the year, and then they got hurt, and then they went to AEW, and I've done nothing there. I, I don't think Goto and Yoshihashi have done anything consequential in the second half of the year. This might be a case where even if the match isn't great, I'm voting Susumu and Kanda by default just because I'm struggling to think of anybody else. And that's why I opened this topic with calling them prohibitive favorites case, because I don't think that there is a good argument for other pe- tag teams right now. I just look at the landscape right now and maybe one might say, yeah, Bishamon, you know, that they had the belts a bunch and they had, I don't know, so someone might make an argument about like they had a really good New Japan Strong Independence Day match against the War Dogs. I don't know. But I just don't think that they they did nearly enough and to this and to that point you look at the young bucks they really weren't a tag team during this year they were a trio if that uh ftr we're talking really about four or five matches and i would take uh susumu and Kanda's top four matches and put them up against ftrs this year that's for sure and i i it, the more i go down it that there's more disqualifying factors to other candidates yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm struggling. I would like to know that from our from our listeners. I mean, I think there's, and again, I'm doing my All Japan catch-up right now. I would think there are some All Japan tag teams that people would consider. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. I'd probably vote for Catch-22. I really like what they do, but they I don't... Might be, they might be the, the, the other contender, I think. I, honestly, I think it might be TJP and Francesco Akira. And I gotta say, if I could poach any tag team and put them in Dragon Gate, it just, just for a Corican show... It might be them. I, God, I love them. Well, talking about uh, the state of tag teams, let's talk about the state of trios and Dragon Gate, because I would argue that right now we are at kind of a low with the unaffiliated champion team of Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Punch Tomonaga going against the challengers, Don Fuji, Takashi Yoshida, and the bodyguard, which, hey, the bodyguard is in this match. That's great, but... The rest of this does not scream for a healthy Triangle Gate division. We're selling tickets, baby. Is hey. This is the ticket selling match. And we know Don Fuji will try to put uh, Punch Tomonaga over a barricade somewhere. It'll be fun. It, it, it uh, will hopefully be harmless. That's the best thing I can say about this match. Do you think that with a seven-match show, with a title match like this, and then three undercard matches that... We will be charitable and say maybe they get nine minutes average across those three matches. Do you think that that's kind of lending to a scenario where we get to see a little bit more of a deeper twin gate and dream gate situation? I, I, I could see that being the case because, yeah, there's nothing on this show before this. You know, this is going to be a short triangle gate match. I don't expect the Brave Gate match to be super long. I don't think three uh, matches, three and four, the trios and the 10-man tag. I mean, there's there's no reason for those to go 10-plus or certainly 15-plus. You're right. This is probably one of those shows where they break for intermission after this Triangle Gate match, and the show is like 70 minutes long, and then the last two matches get 45 to 50 minutes each, and there you know you fill your time that way. But yeah, you're right. This is a show that could very easily fly by. Yeah, it, or something has to happen on the show that's outside of the matches just to be because you look at these shows and you look at the big five shows at least and i always in my head case i don't know but for you i always kind of whenever like i'm planning out my coverage when when i'm going to watch what how much time i'm going to lot dragon gate big shows you're usually looking at three and three and a half hours three hours and three three hours 30 minutes and 
it's hard to find three hours and 30 minutes on this show. Just looking at the card. Yeah, I mean, you would assume, you know, VTR in a post-match promo, you're getting an hour for the Dreamgate match. But even then, that's, you know, that's a lot of time for Shimizu. You know, he's had two other Dreamgate matches in his career, the Mochi match in 2018 and the Kai match in 2022. And I don't think either of those were 25 plus. So even that, you know, it's not like you got, you know, two Ironmen in there. It's not Yamato and Mochizuki. So that might be shorter. There's no reason for Kano to go a half hour. That's not happening. This could end up being, it's a very odd point, but it's it's possible this is one of these shorter big shows we've seen from Dragon Gate. Yep, and that makes me think, oh, is there going to be a big out-of-wrestling thing announced? Is there going to be an angle, or is there going to be an announcement? Because looking at how they're going to fill screen time on this show, and the Triangle Gate match is not it. Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Punch. As Triangle Gate champions, they were the right breath of fresh air at the beginning of October winning those belts. I can't look at this team with an outsider and make up a rational argument that why Fuji and Yoshida should be Triangle Gate champions with Bodyguard. No, no. And look, the the Yamato Dragon Kid punch team, it's good and bad because I, I thought the way they won the belts was super exciting. I liked the way they did it. Not a lot of people saw it coming. It's bad in the sense that, hey, now we're getting some really interesting house show matches with Yamato or Dragon Kid, and Punch just happens to be in them. That's not any fun. I, I think they'll win this, and I think they'll they'll drop the belts, you know, either in Corkin or on that triple shot in Hokkaido. I, I doubt they go into Final Gate as Triangle Gate champions, and if they do, that's when they'll lose them. So, uh, you know, I think they got enough mileage out of the win to justify this title reign. I think if you actually watched the match that they won the belts in, you would understand all of this. And I get the feeling that, you know, as it's a big five show, there's going to be people that parachute in that one, don't understand why bodyguards on the card. And I'm not saying it's a good reason to have him, you know, that he's going to sell local tickets that, you know, he doesn't need to be in a title match, but nevertheless, he's in this spot. And there's people that are going to see, Dragon Kid, Punch, and Yamato, they're going to dismiss it because they don't pay attention to the promotion, and I think that's unfair because I think this team uh, has validity as champions even if I want them to b- lose the belt sooner rather than later. Is Dragon Gate the most parachuted in promotion in our side of the internet? Because I, th- that's exactly what's going to happen. I, no, I think at this stage it's actually New Japan. I, I mean, I myself, I'm not watching New Japan shows unless people tell me to. And I, I'm certainly a little bit behind on the day-to-day of New Japan, but Dragon Gate's close. I mean, because, you know, I, we, we know the people that, that follow this promotion day-to-day, and there's a lot of people that have higher platforms than us that don't, and I, I, it's very frustrating. That's fair. Uh, anything else on this Triangle Gate match? I mean, it, it, it was kind of fun how they built up this match. Don Fuji stealing the belts, wearing a baklava and his Dragon Gate tracksuit and very clearly just being Don Fuji. Uh, I, I enjoy that much of it. I just kind of think like as we're going to get 10 fun minutes and I feel like we've already talked longer about this match and then this match will go on. But it's I, think, be I fun. think you're probably right. Uh, match four is a 10 man tag. It is the entire complement of natural vibes. Sons, uh, Big Boss Shimizu, KZ, Strong Machine J, Jason Lee, UT, and Jackie Funky Kamei versus a real kind of interesting 10-man uh, tag team. Uh, we have Ultimo Dragon, Luis Monte, Naruki Doi, Shuchi Kondo, and Eita. 
the, the, there is a good through line here. Like this is a strong Lucha team. Of course, Doi and Kondo being members of uh, T2P, Eta, of course, uh, Millennials and Ultimo. It, it's kind of like they've they've got these five guys here. They are not really teaming with each other, but there is something between these five guys, which I really like. I mean, this could be a unit. You know, if we blink hard enough, this might just be what they end up doing. Yeah, no. Uh, and, and I'll say this. There was a, uh, on the house shows this weekend, there was a Doi Monte versus Punch Tomonaga and Yamato match. Like talking about, you have to kind of sit through some uh, some Punch Tomonaga now to see Yamato and Dragon Kid. Doi Monte is a fun tag team. Like there's something there, I feel like. Oh my God, absolutely. A- abs- I mean, look, I, I don't think, well, I guess famous last words here. I don't think they can screw up Monte's unit because I just think he is about to hit a run as we start the year that is going to be so special and so entertaining. I don't care who it is. As long as it's not punch, I think they're going to do the right thing with him. Yeah. And with with this 10 man tag, it's really, are we going to have a natural vibes 10 man with Ultimo coming in, doing the spinning wheel kick, doing his uh, head scissors, headlock takeover, and maybe a long mod straw, or are we getting an Ultimo? I, look, I really hope it's the former because I think this match could be excellent, especially if Ata tries. And then, you know, I start thinking about, okay, Final Gate, what are they going to do with Monte? You know, we're assuming he's going to have a unit in place by that point, just given what's coming up on the Cork and Hall show later this week with the handicap match, him versus Zebrats. But boy, would it be nice to see uh, Monte versus Ata in a singles match in some capacity. I would just like to know what that looks like. Yeah, and what if that match actually like had some teeth to it, and it's not like a random Kobe Sumbo Hall match too? That's what I'm hoping for. Oh like, God, it- yeah, no. It, well, yeah, it, it can't be that. It has to be. You know, you know. I was thinking about Gate of Destiny last year because the big match on that show for us was Ata versus Takuma Fujiwara, and it was so exciting to get you know Effort Ata in the mix. And uh, I don't, I don't think we're gonna get a- uh, effort Ata in this match. But yeah, it would be really nice to get a tryhard Ata performance versus Monte at some point. I guess the real question of Ata in this match is how many T-shirts he is he bringing? Is it going to be twenty-five or is it going to be fifty? Right, look, he's gonna make his money one way or another. Match three, we have a Z Bratz versus Mochizuki's and Kato, as it is Masaki Mochizuki teaming with his son. Mochizuki Jr., who is teaming with his new tag team partner, Yoshiki Kato versus Shun Skywalker, Kai, and Hio. I am so into this. This is my most anticipated match on the show. I know that might sound hyperbolic to some people, but I think the Junior Kato tag team, who have begun running rough shots through these Dragon Gate house shows, they right now, to me, are the most entertaining thing in all of Dragon Gate. And it's been a fun thing to see uh, Junior and Kato kind of figure themselves out on these house shows. Uh, we had uh, basically three shows between our last uh, Voice Gate and tonight. There was a show in Ishikawa, a show in Okayama, and then a show in Hiroshima. All of them had a Junior and Kato tag up on YouTube, and all three of those matches were easily the best things on them. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, these guys are, these guys are kicking ass. And I think the thing that really got to me on this, uh, on these matches, where you kind of got to see their first match was against Big Time, and then that was a fun. I went three and a half on that. DK and Monte was really, really good. Uh, it really the the one thing that kind of makes me a little bit disappointed here is I think Yoshiki Kato should work Luis Monte for a month. 
because it did kind of feel like during these matches, and I don't know if it was that way for you, it kind of was like, okay, Kato, you've been doing your own thing, but now it's time for your crash course and Lucha Rass, and you're going to have to do some Dragon Gate-ass tags. So, yes, I, I think you're right, and I think we're headed in the right direction there, because I thought the, what was it, Jackie and Jason versus Junior and Kato, that match happened, right? Yep, that was okay. at Hiroshima. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was the right vibes pairing, but it was. That, to me, and I would recommend everybody go watch that match. It's not it's not quite Notebook, but it is in the hall of very, very good matches this year. I, I was would, three and a half on it. Yeah, yeah I would it, agree with that. It, it would make my fun matches of 2023 DVD comp. It, it, it is absolutely, it is TV wrestling at its finest. And to me, that was the most complete, like, hey, Yoshiki Kato looks like a Dragon Gate wrestler performance that he's had yet. I thought he was just animalistic in all the right ways, but, you know, light on his feet, uh, uh, very, very fluid throughout all the natural vibe sequences. I thought he was great at that match. And he had, like, one of the nastiest Boston Crabs I've ever seen on JFK. That was really brutal. I And, and it's something that, like, when you talk about this pairing, like, Junior, as someone who, for the last uh, 15 months, not 15, 17 months, has done no wrong whatsoever, it's kind of fun to see him kind of as a captain of a tag team in a way and him kind of getting the spotlight like singles action and not dropping the falls. Like there was a Jason and junior late sequence in this tag match. That was incredible leading into the finish. I completely agree. Look, I, I you know, I I've said my piece on junior. I think he's one of the most exciting wrestlers in the world. And I think he's only getting better, which is the startling thing. Kato, I think is very much on the cusp of just being tremendous, you know, and of being a, a Dragon Gate wrestler through and through. That's what we need to see from him. And I think I think they're doing the right thing here. You know, I'm very, very interested as we progress in this story, what they are going to do with Kato being implemented into M3K. If this is going to be a thing that happens, because now you have really, you know, the first temptation of Junior to possibly leave because you had he and Ishin last year but that was more as Ishin going to join M3K. Now you have Kato, who again, unaffiliated, same class as Junior, and it very much feels like they could go off and start their own thing. Forgive me for possibly being hyperbolic or at the very least being excited, but I can't help but draw a comparison between these two and one. Uh, well, okay, I'll answer this in the form of a question. If Junior and Kato start teaming, are they this generation's speed muscle or are they this generation's mochi fuji? You know, it would be very easy to go mochi fuji, but I do kind of see the uh doyoshi here. Yeah, I right. It, it, and it's something I think also watching this match immediately before a tag match that had Naruki Doi in it and seeing the things that Naruki Doi did and and man, I don't think Kato loses a thing if he kind of becomes the muscle part of a tag team and still has this rough and ready bull in a China shop kind of style. I think it actually lends itself to it. And it's something with junior that like it lets him to kind of flesh out himself as a wrestler and not just be Misaki Mochizuki's son. And as we've like kind of seen, especially this, this since the summer, since he came back, yeah, I feel like we've seen him kind of more and more car out his own niche as his own wrestler. And I think, having a tag team that is distinctly different from Mochi Fuji, as much as I love Mochi Fuji, I think is the right step. I think it needs to happen. I am really hoping 
that Junior crushes it on this New Japan show this weekend. I just, I really want people paying attention to how good he is and how he's only just getting started because I really am so into him as a wrestler this year. To me, he's definitely a top 50 guy, but when I think about who I've enjoyed most consistently on all of these Dragon Gate shows, he might be a top 25 wrestler for me this year. Case, do you get the goosebumps on like your arms when it, you hear like interest music come and it's his theme and not like the immediate like uh, as much as I love his dad's theme, it's not his dad's theme. It's not uh, this theme cannot be played for copyright reasons, but it's that one because like whenever I start hearing that, like I instinctively not to pull like a full Andrew Rich want to like start punching the air out of excitement because I know what's going to come and that has easily been the thing that's been keeping me most excited in Dragon Gate over the last year. Yeah, I mean, other than Kamei, who I think you and I would agree is the most consistent wrestler on the roster, Junior might be two now, right? Yeah, and it's something that, like, you got to have in that Hiroshima tag. One of my notes I have here, Junior versus uh, Jackie in a battle of who can do less wrong. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, again, you know, Kamei is, look, Kamei is this generation's Horiguchi. He's a different animal. but He's big match Jack. Yeah, he's he's incredible. But Junior's right there with him. I mean, you know, I don't. Junior, you know, Junior's matches don't make all the YouTube uploads, but when they do, I'm never like, oh, that sucked. And then he's, you know, he's great on these Corkin shows. He's great on these big shows. He's as consistent as it gets. I never skip a Junior match on an upload. No, like, no, it, neither do I. It, it, and it's something whereas, like, I can't say that about a lot of the Elder roster at this point. And with the current Union landscape, at least in my opinion, being a little bit more towards the stale side, it is something that, like, whenever I see Junior, it's a little kind of pep in my step uh let's talk about the heel side here it does kind of feel like with zebrats here it they are in this match as kind of well these three guys the heels aren't in programs right now and everything is directed towards luis monte uh is it something where you kind of just see them as holding pattern until that corkin i think this could very easily be the last time we see these three guys team with one another it does really kind of have that air, and especially as Zebrats is coming up on that two-year anniversary, and I like pointing that out, that two years for a heel unit, that's when things start to change. Absolutely. No, I mean, look, and I think I think, they, I, I think it's time. You know, I, I would keep Shun doing exactly what he's doing, but as I've said time and time again, Hyo needs a turn. I think Kai needs a turn, and uh, you, you line up Shun and Ishin with whoever you'd like, and I think you'll be off to the races because Shun is issued Skywalker and he's quite good at this yeah I guess that's kind of the thing I'm excited about is I want to see who's going to do the heel turns because that is going to be the thing that adds spice to this unit here uh do you have anything uh, I, else I still think uh Yoshioka is a possibility you know one of my mm -hmm. predictions for the second half of the year was that Shun and Yoshioka are in a heel unit by the end of the year I I, I can't ignore that I still think that's a real possibility yeah, I mean, and one could see, like, if Daya is the one taking the fall in the Twin Gate match, you know, I mean, he's coming up on two years of teaming with Daya. Like, there's a lot there to, to kind of get into with that. Uh, do you have any other trios thoughts before we talk about the last member of Zebrats? No, no, I do not. So the last title match, match two, open the Brave Gate title match. Ishin in his second reign, makes his first defense against Ryoya Tanaka, who has yet to win in an official match, this came about during the Royal Sambo at Kobe Art Center last month, where uh, the final two were Ginki Horiguchi and Ryoya Tanaka. Ishin made a lot of talk beforehand saying, hey, y'all are all Bravegate division, so why not my next opponent come from here? Ginki won, and Ginki gave the option of either him taking the match, him being 45, 
years old and a 20-year veteran, or you could face a 24-year-old who had never won a match yet in Royoya Tanaka. And what really does kind of feel like Tanaka's first big singles match and first like focus since his debut. Well, let me go sports radio on you for a second. Is that okay? Absolutely. Who needs a great match more here? Ishin or Ryo Tanaka? I think that Ishin does because of the status of the Brave Gate Championship over the last years. But Tanaka is... It, 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 I, I could give the argument for both of them if you'd like. Please. So for Ishin, who I'd argue needs it more... He came in as Bravegate champion, really speaking a lot of trash. Jay talked about it on the program before Kobe World that really like the idea of the Bravegate being kind of weak until Ishan took it. And then you had the quick switch with KZ getting the belt back on Ishan in a situation where we do kind of feel like that that was a quick turn to help a house. But he hasn't had the defining match that he has promised. And at a certain point, you have to start ca- be able to cash those checks. So that's the argument for Ishin. Would you disagree with that argument? No, I think that's fair. So for Tanaka, he is someone that was... If Mochizuki Jr. was born on third, but then immediately stole home, going that analogy, uh, Tanaka kind of was put on was put on first as a pitch runner. He was able to kind of be a highlighted guy and a little bit of a thinner rookie class, get a little bit of a push forward. But up until the last month, I would argue has been basically a non-entity as a rookie wrestler. So having a match like this, especially after his strong performance in Boyadin in October and the rest of the month, really is the first step for him in his wrestling career, proving that he can do it on his own and not just because the company chose him. Yeah, absolutely. I think both those are fair points. I think, you know, Ishin just has higher stakes with where he's at in his career right now. Tanaka, you know, if this is if this is just a so-so match and Tanaka messes up a dive, he'll be okay. You know, I think he'll recover from it. Ishin is champion, especially with his character, just to reemphasize your point, all the all the uh, smack talk that he's given about the Brave Gate division, he kind of needs to have a killer match here. Yeah, and it's something where... He is someone that, like, if we want to talk about it being a weight division belt, he is kind of pushing that. So you kind of need to have the backing to be like, yeah, he might be over 82 kilos, but he's having these killer matches that you can kind of, in the back of your hand, back of your head, disregard and move on with that. I just think that it's something that in this division that really has been flailing, for lack of better terms, for the last few years having a stronger champion will make it feel better. Absolutely. And for someone like Ishan and the idea of this belt maybe being because of the status of the younger wrestlers in this promotion being under 82 kilos, this being like a young generation belt, he needs to be able to define himself as a bulwark of that generation. He needs to have the, a strong title match to prove that. I would concur. And do you have any other thoughts about the Brave Gate? I'm looking forward to it. You know, I think Ishan's going to win. I, I don't see any version of Tanaka winning this match. So uh, I'm hoping for a great sort of uh, Takuma Fujiwara versus Dragon Daya-esque performance from Tanaka in this match. I think this is a real chance for him to uh, become a, a much bigger name than he was going into this match. But no, I think the result here is pretty obvious. It is just a matter of uh, what we see from the match quality perspective. Yeah, this is a situation that 
Ishin tears his Achilles tendon, they still try to find a way that he can roll up Tanaka. Like that, it, it's just not a scenario where a completely unproven rookie can even be the plan B here. It's just he's here to have a good match and to kind of make his step forward. Very much so. In his hometown adjacent. So uh good spot exactly. to do it in. Absolutely. And then the opener, we have Gold Class Kota Minora, Benkei, and BB Hulk versus unaffiliated Ginky Horiguchi, Kagatora, and Problem Dragon. Hey, look, it's something Gold Class, they've got to figure out what to do to kind of to provide a little bit more life into this unit. It's not like that this unit is in an awful position, but you kind of lose so much luster about Minorita, and now the departure of Minorita has been like two or three months ago, and I kind of just want to see like a path forward for these three guys if they are to remain as a group. Yeah, yeah, they, they are very much the odd people out on this show. You know, nothing really going on for them, and in an opening match that is uh, not the most exciting. So, I, you know, look, I, I think Ben has a real possibility of headlining Final Gate, and that'll that'll fix them right up. But yeah, no, they're they're in a very odd spot here. Yeah, and it's something where I don't know. Maybe it's just me here. I look at that and I look at Ginky Kakator and Punch and Problem Dragon. I go like, we can't find a reason why Daiki should be on this show and not Problem Dragon. Yep. Or really, just like the, the, That's kind of what but the way I look at these match ones or match zeros is just like. I would rather see younger guys getting time than just established jobbers, basically. As would I. Uh, and that is uh, Gate of Destiny. It is November 5th from Edeon Arena Osaka. It'll be live on the Dragon Gate Network. Jay and Hoho will be there live giving you commentary. It's a 5.30 local start. Remember, for our uh, listeners in the United States, Daylight Savings is ending this weekend. So... Prepare your clocks. It might be kind of switched up this uh, weekend. It's listed as a 3.30 a.m. East Coast start time. I think that actually might be at 2.30. I'm not certain about that, but use your own time zone converters to figure it out. Right, look, this this happens every year, and I literally never remember what the answer is, so I cannot help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just want to make sure daylight savings is ending. Yep, it's ending November 5th. That's yep. what I thought. Yep, but then, yep. but. It happens like as the show's beginning, so it's it's the most I I don't I never know what to tell people. I it's the most confusing thing. I go through this every year. Yeah, it, it will be something that hey, if you are someone who is in America and you're watching the show, at the local start time is seventeen thirty JST. Use that and see where that kind of figures out there. Keep your clock if you have a clock app. Keep a clock with a the a Tokyo. Uh, area code on there and you'll be able to figure it out that way absolutely so they do have one other show happening before it it is the uh dead duck uh cork and hall uh kobe hall showcase i'm just going to run through the yeah just, please. To, just so that we could say we've gone through it we have an opener eight man tag dragon kid naruki doi kagatora and ryoya tanaka versus shun skywalker kai hyo and ishin that is zebrats a really deep Royal Sambo, KZ, UT, Kota Minora, Benkei, BB Hulk, Ginky Horiguchi, Konomaue Chikawa, Sachi Hoko Boy, Problem Dragon, Daiki Yanagiuchi, uh, Match 3, uh, Ultimo, Masaki Mochizuki, and Luis Monte. I like Masaki Mochizuki teaming with Monte. I could have more of that. Against the Kung Fu Masters, Jackie, Funky Kamei, Jason Lee, and Ho Ho Loon. Match 4 and Match 5 are Twin Gate previews. Yazushi Kanda versus Yuki Oshioka in match four. 
Susumu Mochizuki versus Dragon Daya in match five. And the main event is a dream uh, triangle uh, preview match. Madoka Kakuda, Yamato, and Punch Tomonaga versus Big Boss Shimizu, Don Fuji, and Takashi Yoshida. Boy, that's a uh, Kobe Sumbo Hall show that's happening a day before a bigger show. Sorry, I was muted there for just a second. Uh, boy, is it ever, as we talked about, uh, this will be the one Dragon Gate show of the year that I do not watch. I just can't. I, I'll, I'll watch the Mochi Mati match, but I just can't imagine spending more time than I need to on this show. Yeah, especially with that, this show will be happening the same time as uh, Power Struggle in Osaka. Uh, the Frontier Zone, they have not announced the Dragon Gate young guys' opponents. It's going to be Strong Machine J, Mochizuki Jr., and Yoshiki Kato there. So it, it's something where, like, hey, we we are probably first and foremost uh english-speaking mochizuki jr fans and you kind of feel his absence on this kobe sambo hall show because he's working new japan that's right and i i don't think there's anything announced for what he's doing just yet but i'm really excited to see that yeah it's something where i the, the thing that i've kind of found fascinating at least was the the uh new japan english uh a Twitter account and in their socials haven't really talked a whole lot about who strong machine, who uh, strong machine J's dad is, which kind of surprised me given how long of a run super strong machine had in a, in new Japan. And they still run with his gimmick all the time on another Bushi road promotion. Yeah, very much so. Very kind of weird. Well, case uh, we went through this episode a little bit uh, shorter than I expected. Uh, I guess that's what happens when you have kind of a smaller, big show. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we got out of here, case? I'll say this real quick uh, in the Discord, Angry Two One Six, who is just a, a delightful man uh, always. Uh, he does the Dragon Gate match of the week and the and the Dragon Gate channel. And the match of the week this week is Shima and Gamma versus Tiok and Ata from September two thousand fourteen. I rewatched it today. Mike, you need to rewatch it. Everybody that's seen it, give it another look. If you've never seen it, exit out of the podcast. We're done here. Go watch that match. I just had so much fun watching it today. It was really so enjoyable. Yeah, and like when you think about Osaka Zen Roke, this isn't really a match you think of. And this is like at the peak of TNE, like like fresh off of their big Kobe World match against Shingo and Akira. Like this was. This was the when you talk about T Hawk and Ata as a tag team, this was the peak of this. This match rules. I remember this match quite fondly. And yeah, it's good. I, I will be after the Rangers gay ta- game tabbing out and checking this one out. So, okay, interesting question for you before we go. I think of this as the Osaka six match. Where do you go if you're not going to this match? All right, Osaka Zenrok matches. Okay. Because there's a few, there's a few different eras. They team together in a few different incarnations. But I thought this run was, I mean, it was the best thing Gamma ever did, and I thought it was their best stuff as a team, a very good tag team. Uh, as uh, that ball's hit deep left field and caught, Rangers still scoreless. I thought that was going to leave the park. Uh, uh, but I, I, uh, yeah. I, I, I have a match that I think I remember this at least because of the time period. Uh, this was not the initial run of uh, Osako 6, but uh, Kaneska versus them was a strong match. Oh, yeah, that was good. But, but when you're really talking about this tag team, it just, it's never really, like, that's the funny thing. Like, when you think about Shima tag teams at the very least, 
yes, you do have Osaka Zenroke, but I feel like you talk more about Spike Mohicans or CK1 than that. But I he he's been long he he was a longer tag team partner with Gamma than he was with Don Fuji. Yeah. And yeah, that's no, always- this was this was a this was a very good tag team at certain points. It was always the best stuff that Gamma ever did. Is it bad that I right now have pulled up all of uh, the the tag matches that Shima and Gamma had with each other? It's it's a pretty good one. Is there's actually probably more of these matches than Speed Muscle matches for people to watch. But uh, I kind of want to go check out uh, check Shimatani and Ryuchi Kamakami versus them from Glade. Was that was that Gamma's retirement show? No, uh, the retirement show was Kazma and Big Boss Magma Magn to Kishwada. Did Gamma work a match in that in that promotion? Yeah, he. This is the first anniversary show from Tokyo Dome City Hall. Oh, I do remember that. Okay, all right, that wasn't ringing a bell. Yeah, uh, I, I, it was, I mean, uh, it, it's uh, it's not fun. No, no, no. I mean, this was the show that was main evented by Yuji Nagata defeating Takanori Ito in a UWF rules match case. Well, well so, it worked out for the promotion. They're doing big business now. I, I mean, everything is going fine over there. I, I, I don't know why they're concerned at all. I don't know why uh, Minoru uh, Tanaka might be having a press conference about Ledet UWF. I mean, look, everything's going great there. Look, I hope it's him announcing a big venue show. That's the funniest thing that could happen is we're taking this to Subo Hall. We're taking this to Budokan Hall. I really hope that's what happens. Oh, my God. I, I, I just want them to do like their big, like over orchestrated intro, which, hey, like that is a cool thing that they do to start their big shows. Everyone comes out and they have the drums and all that. But to a, a Budokan Hall show that basically is five rows deep. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be, but that was where my mind went at first was like, oh, they I, I don't think it's bad news. I think they're announcing something big, air quotes big, and I'm I'm excited about that. Yeah, 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 that's wild. Well, Case, uh, th- that's going to do it this week for Open the Voice Gate. Uh, it is currently somehow scoreless in this baseball game. And the great thing about uh, the pitch clocks, it's already in the fifth inning, and we've, and we've only been here an hour and a half. This was never the case before this year. No. Nah, I, I, I've got to figure out if the Rangers lose how much I'm willing to pay to get into the ballpark this weekend. Oh, I, I would I would certainly be there for game six if you can make it. Well, well like the thing is, is that like the, they're only selling standing room seats or I can go buy standing room seats to the old ballpark that they're also having people watch the game. in. Oh, my God. Are they really? Yeah, it, 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 it's kind of wild considering that the Cowboys are doing well. How much Dallas Fort Worth is just going like, all right, well, it's all Rangers right now. Oh, good. Well, that makes me happy. I like that. Hey, hey, I, I got a brand new Texas Rangers hat going into this week. It is a Peagle hat, and I feel like it's going to bring us to the World Series, and we'll see how the rest of this game goes. There you go. All right. Well, Gate of Destiny is Sunday. I will have a review on VoicesWrestling.com, hopefully, hopefully Monday, uh, if not Tuesday, and uh, we will record back at our usual time on Tuesday evening next week as well. Absolutely, and expect a preview column-ish kind of thing up later this week. Uh, Voices of Wrestling, the only place to go to for Dragon Gate English content. But that's going to do it. You could follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. Cases is, is underscore in your case. I'm Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to us. We'll be back with you next week. Take care.
Hola, hola, my name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, Go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.